Okay. So basically we've got waterfowl hunting of some way, shape or form everywhere from September one to February 15. Well, that's awesome. What, uh, so what, what are your state limits, um, for geese and then for, for ducks? Are they pretty typical or? Yeah, they're, they're fairly normal as far as everybody else. I haven't dug into the, the mallards I know, or the, see, we have a puddle duck and a sea duck limit. And, um, I've been into the, I've been into the Canada's, you know, I, I lease property for, uh, for Canada's, which allows me to not have to deal with a boat and waiting in water and all that. And when you get into your fifties, it becomes really nice to drive to the center (laughs) of your field and not have to deal with water. (laughs) I I think that's all ages though. I don't think that's just in your fifties. And so, uh, it, it, it makes a beautiful thing when you can, uh, drive right to it and, uh, set everything up. But, um, you know, it, it is typical. Uh, I don't want to don't take it, you know, without checking all your, your um, <laughs> local laws, but you know, it's basically a five bird kind of limit, um, yeah. you know, based on hens and, and drakes and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and broken between your, uh, your wood ducks and your mallards and, your black ducks have a uh, designated amount. Your woodies have yeah. a designated I think your woodies are two. They might have gone up. I'm not 100%. But, you know, your woodies have a designated amount. Your mallards and your black ducks do as well. And then, okay. yeah, then, you, then you can get out into your sea ducks, which is kind of cool. Because when you hunt the shoreline, you can combine the two. Yeah. So now you've got a sea duck limit along with your mallards that are down on the ocean and all that kind of stuff. So, and your Canada's. So, yeah, that's what, that's awesome. That's what they were uh, talking about in Alaska too, is if you get in the right spot, you know, you can go shoot your eight puddle ducks and then you can shoot your sea ducks and you can shoot your geese. And, exactly. Mean, because you've be got a, a hell of a day. You've, I, I've, I've gone down and I've shot Brant, Canada's sea ducks and puddle ducks all in one mm-hmm. time. That'd be awesome. So, I mean, you, you, you want a killer day that that's only happened literally a few times for me, <laughs> but it's really cool. You know, there's, plenty, oh, yeah. there's plenty, at least it's happened. <laughs> there, there's been, trust me, it, it doesn't happen often because there's plenty of days I'm shooting the passing freaking mergans or just so my dog can have a retrieving something to retrieve. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so um, it, it's it's a really diverse area, and it's really cool, but it, it's certainly not dependable, which it, to me is part of the appeal of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it makes those day those days that much better. Yeah, yeah, you know? I agree. So what? Uh, so so with your uh, I, just with Connecticut. Um, so you said you do lease a, a, or your fields for geese anyway, do you guys, do you still hunt public land, um, around Connecticut? And, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I love hunting the tidal areas on the Connecticut river for Canada's, um, there, there's, I'm, I'm, I'm a silhouette guy Yeah. and you know, to me, you know, I've, I've had, I really try to pay attention to a lot of different things. Like when I hunt North zone, I wait till areas freeze up. And when you, everybody hunts them when the water's available and they go in there and they set up water spreads and everything. And I've gone in there and seen Canada's come in by the droves and just split you, you know, go down one side of the over. And I'm talking, you know, 10 feet, 15 feet off the water. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they that set into us, you know, and finally get a dumb pair that comes by and you shoot them and they land behind you. And I walk 20 yards behind on the salt flat. It's all matted down. And all of a sudden I'm looking and there's goose shit all around me. <laughs> so I wait a week, everything freezes up and we walk in and we set up a, a land spread. Yeah. And I walk in with silhouettes and I put out, you know, between me and my buddies, we, we each carry in like, you know, four dozen. So we put mm-hmm. out, you know, 12 dozen decoys, which you never see in a water spread. Yeah. All of a sudden these birds, we couldn't knock them off us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we just fucking pummeled them. I mean, the first three bird, the first three, you know, flights that came over set right in and we knocked our limit out. We're done. <laughs> 
And so, so you really start to pay attention to what other people do when they sit on the Connecticut river, they put out floaters They're water hunting. Yeah. I don't, I put out silos on the sandbars when the water recedes, everybody, you know, you want to put a, yeah. you want to put a full body there. Well, guess what? When the full body get, when the water hits a full body's belly or a boat goes by that full body's full body is it's a floater now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you put a bunch of silos at belly deep up to exposed on a sandbar. I have knocked the piss out of Canada's. The other yeah. thing is when you're when you're going up, say you've got a little island or whatever that you're hunting on, you can't put full bodies going up a hill. They fall over. Yeah. They, they, you can't set them at an angle. They're they're yeah. straight up and down. That's it. That's all you got. Silos you can stick in at an angle and have them yeah. stand still stand straight up and have it look like they're going up the edge of the you know the water onto land. Yeah. And create a real scenario. So oh, yeah. I've started doing a lot more of that. And, you know, people always say, oh, I, I, I kill my geese over six decoys. Well, fine. Bring your six <laughs> decoys. I'll bring my 12 dozen. We'll see who limits out first. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, that's but it, but it's not about that, Matt. It's about enjoying it. It's, it's about enjoying fun. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, guess what? I enjoy killing them. So yeah. I'm, <laughs> so I'm bringing my twelve dozen. Yeah. If I'm gonna put in the work, I'm gonna do it. Heard that. So with your public land um, in, in the state of Connecticut, what a uh, is there a lot of public land? And if so, I mean, what? How accessible is it, and is it well managed? There is and there isn't. You know, there there are yeah. a lot of state forest areas, there are a lot of ponds and all that kind of stuff, and they do get beat up pretty well, um, just because they are smaller. You know, we, yeah. we don't have the vast expanse of land that they do out west. You know, mm -hmm. I can I can drive north to south, um, the entire state of Connecticut in about an hour and 15 minutes and I can probably do side to side in about an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. So, you know, it, I can see farther in North Dakota than, you know, uh, than an hour and a half drive. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've sat news <laughs> spreads in North Dakota where I can see more than two hours away. So, yeah. um, yeah, so it, it's, it's a little different here. Uh, areas get beat up pretty quick. You know, birds are going to be in the state forest are going to go into those swamps are going to go into those areas. They're going to get beat up three or four, you know, I shouldn't even say three or four, two or three times. And they're going to public private land. Yeah. And you're just not going to kill them, hmm. you know? Um, but there are open areas. There are larger, you know, we have a lot of coastline. We yeah. Connecticut river. We have, uh, you know, the, the Quinnipiac, we have, you know, all these different rivers that are coming down that offer a lot of waterfowl hunting. There is a lot of pressure, you know, it, it's, it's a matter of thinking outside the box. You know, there's a, uh, there's an area that I had that I love that's totally public for um for mallards mallards mm -hmm. woodies you know black ducks puddle ducks yeah and it would get pounded absolutely just carpet bombed for 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 uh the regular duck season i won't even go in there <laughs> i wait for the first frost i wait for that first skim ice because that first skim ice always happens and it happens for a day or two, two, three days, whatever. And I go in when it lets out because number one, you got all fresh birds. Yeah. You know, if it's iced up on you, everything North of you is put is getting pushed down. Yeah. So as soon as that water opens up, those birds don't want to be on the river. They want to be in the woodlands. They want yeah. the nuts. They want to feed in there. I go in there after the first freeze and knock the living piss out of them every single time. <laughs> so, you know, you've got to think 
in, in air and and I shouldn't even say it's Connecticut. It's going to help you no matter what state you're in. That's everywhere. Yeah. You've got to think yeah, outside the box. You know, it, it's there. There's so much education on YouTube and all that. But guess what? When you really dive into it, it's all the same. Yep. I I have coined a way of trout fishing that is the same as everything else that everybody else does. But it is so subtly different in every single realm of it that it should be illegal. <laughs> it it has been written up in outdoor life. It has been written up in field and stream to the point where field and stream found it so crazy. They came up and filmed for two days and out of over 10 or 11 years, or maybe even more than that of them running that video series, it was the most watched video series video they ever did. Really? And it is so similar to what everybody else kind of does but it's enough different that it is stupid effective. And that's, <laughs> yeah. and that's the way I think about everything around here. I got an e-bike this year and I didn't use it until the third week of season for turkey hunting because yeah. everybody's pushing these birds into areas they don't want to go to. You walk in an hour and a half and you walk out an hour and a half and that's half your morning. You're yep. done. You know, where else are you going? So I can get an, I can get a mile and a half in in like five minutes on a bike. Mm -hmm. So I get an e-bike and I'm in and all of a sudden, you know, I go in the first day I ever take the bike out. I go to a landlocked piece of state, mile plus in, way the hell in, crazy hills, crazy everything. I shoot an inch and three-eighths spurred bird. And I called two in and self-filmed it. They both came in. And I killed them at 20 yards. Really? I, could, I couldn't buy a bird. There were so many people <laughs> hunting this year. <laughs> I swear to God, I could go to a store. Turkey hunting was so bad this year. I could go to the grocery store and my credit card would probably be denied if I tried to buy a turkey. <laughs> That's how bad it was. <laughs> but I thought outside the box. You know, yeah. there's areas that I know that people go and they just beat the living shit out of it. And I will not go there until 10 o'clock because I know they go there every single morning. They beat the living shit out of it. Those birds get wise. They shut down. Everybody leaves. You go back at 10 o'clock and you got a lonely gobbler looking for a freaking hen. Yep. Same thing with duck hunting. Same mm -hmm. thing with goose hunting. You know, I went, I goose, perfect example for goose hunting here in Connecticut. We had a hurricane come through. Wasn't it, actually, I shouldn't say hurricane. It was downgraded to a tropical storm. So it was 40, 50 mile an hour winds with 60 mile an hour gusts came through and I was watching radar and I knew that that storm was going to be done passed by about one o'clock, one thirty. And those birds aren't going to get up and fly during a hurricane or during a yeah. storm like that. I told the guys on the lease, it was Saturday. I said, guys, I'm showing up. That storm will be passed at 1.30. I'm showing up at that farm at 1.15, and I'm starting to set those decoys out, and I'm going to hunt. And they're all like, are you serious? And I'm like, I'm telling you, they are not flying. They have to eat. And I went out there. We all, they all went, they believed in me. We all went, <laughs> we set up the decoys. We got halfway set up and the birds started just full. I mean, like droves. These <laughs> birds have been sitting down, not eating for a day and a half, two days. Yeah. They were in, I mean, conveyor belts <laughs> of flights coming in. And on the right land. <laughs> we we had we had birds, we had our decoys laying in the field. We pulled, <laughs> we didn't even hide the, the trucks. We pulled the trucks to the back of the spread. The trucks were still in the field. We had our limit in 15 minutes. We're done. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, so I, I I actually did that with um the guy from the Patriots. He goes, dude, it's going to be, it's going to be raining. We're not going to be able to set up the decoys. I said, you're right. 
it's going to be, we're going to, you know, usually you're in there at, you know, four thirty, five o'clock setting up the decoys for first yeah. light. I'm like, we're going to set up the decoys at seven 30. He goes, it's going to be light. I'm like, yeah, well, the birds ain't going to be flying. It's going to be pouring rain. So we're at the field at seven o'clock. We couldn't even drive into the field. It was so wet. So we're on the edge of the field at seven o'clock and I I'm watching the radar. There's a, a radar um, app that's called my radar. It is awesome. You want something to watch your live radar for hunting? It's called my radar. It's free. My radar. Yep. Got so it. I get my radar. And the other thing that my radar does is that you, there's different layers. It'll actually show you wind direction and speeds and all that kind of stuff as it gets more intense. So it's a great tool. Yeah. So I'm watching my radar and with the storm coming through, the prevailing wind above was different on the news, on the forecast for the wind than it was for the storm coming in lower. So I watched my radar and it showed us the active winds. Mm -hmm. So we set up against what the normal news weather called the prevailing wind for the day yeah i trusted what was going on i set up in the opposite direction shirt and shit that's the way the wind stayed and we you know it was basically drizzle we got out there started setting it up when it just started stopping the rain by the time we got set up pulled the you know pulled all of our shit out of the out of the field as far you know empty bags and all that kind of crap sat down birds were flying we're done in you know half hour yeah that's crazy so everybody else (laughs) would have said oh we can't get out there to set up it's going to be too late it's going to be raining i said we're going to wait until you know we're going to get a little wet but we're going to set up a half hour before it's done and we're going to kill the birds when they decide to get up and fly yeah Yep, and uh, and that's all it takes. Like you said, is just uh, everything. No matter where you're at, it just comes down to not only knowing your areas, but but knowing your birds. And I think that's something everyone it's can apply to anywhere, any any anywhere. species alone. I mean, deer hunting or turkey hunting or anything. I mean, everything you're doing. The the biggest part is just studying your area. Yep. Um, and they act different everywhere you're at. I mean, how the birds act in Connecticut is completely different than how they'll act down here in Louisiana. So you can't just take the advice that you see on uh, uh, YouTube. I mean, no. take it, but apply it to where you're at. Cause those right. dudes in North, North Dakota, like you said, who are watching, you know, thousands and thousands of mallards every day, their way of scouting and, and what they do is based off of that. It's not based off of what you're going to be seeing. So no, um, I think that's no. where a lot of people get stirred wrong is they, they take advice, but they don't, they don't apply it right or use their oh. brain power to put it in perspective for themselves. Perfect example for early season Canada's, you know, you might as well throw every normal rule of Canada hunting out the window. Yeah. You know, I, I had outdoor life up here hunting a resident hunt. We're hunting. We're within 500 feet in order to hunt within 500 feet. You have to have written permission from the, from the landowner of a house Mm -hmm. we're within 500 feet of five houses it was an equestrian village i guess you'd call it and the canadas were in there so thick as they're chasing the cow or the the horses away from like the hay feeding out there because they'd be feeding on the seed and all that kind of stuff yeah so um these canadas were a total nuisance well the wind was coming out of the northwest prevailing wind I set up about 90 degrees opposite of the wind and the guy from, from the magazines like, dude, man, you know, you're, you're not setting up with the wind, dude. They're not going to set this way. I'm like, they're going to come around. I don't care what the wind is. They're going to come through that break in the trees, get below tree level and they're going to set in. And he goes, but what about the wind? I said, it doesn't fucking matter about the wind, dude. They've got one way, they've got one way into this field through the trees. And that's the way they're gonna come. Yeah. And that's the way they came. 
They came in, they skirted the wind a little bit, but they came through the break in the trees, dropped below tree level and set into the field. So, you know, especially around here in Connecticut, because our fields are very small. You know, we don't have huge expanse. We don't have quarters. You know, yeah. our quarters are quarter acre. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, you know, for, for us to have a couple hundred yards in a field, is a, that's a good size field. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, that it's, you've got to pay attention to, you know, the lay of the land a lot more out here. Um, a lot of different aspects, man. A lot of yeah. Different. So w- w- with your hunting, I mean, um, obviously, you know, it's taken you many, many places. And I know you told me a number earlier, but how many states have you uh, got the chance to hunt in? I've hunted 26 out of 50. Not not oh. all just waterfowl. I've killed my grand slam of wild turkeys. I'm a I'm a, I've called it the grand nationals. I've uh, won multiple state titles for Turkey yeah. I've won goose and duck titles called it the, yeah, I judged the worlds for Canada for goose calling. Um, yeah. I've hunted the whole central flyway for waterfowl, basically from North Dakota down through Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so out of all those States, what, what, what state waterfowl wise was your favorite? It, there isn't. There isn't, okay. man. You, you, you can't, it, you, you can't compare the, uh, the, the, the sand hills of North Dakota to the potholes of South Dakota to, you know, the, the, um, just off of the, the refuges and everything, you know, those farmlands of, yeah. of Southern Missouri to, mm-hmm damn, come on, flooded timber in Mississippi or Louisiana. I mean, you know, I, I hunted Terra wildlife down there. I mean, that's epic. You know, yeah. I, I hunted Terra down in Mississippi, flooded timber and Terra. I mean, really? So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's just like turkeys, you know, you can't, you can't compare the scrub brush of Texas to the palm meadows of Florida, to the mountains of West Virginia. It, it's, yeah. it, if you can't appreciate it, all of its beauty, then you might as well put your gun down and start, you know, crocheting a sweater or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're, you've hunted 50% of the States, but of the ones left, what's it, what's your number one state you want to visit to hunt? Uh, I don't know, man. I just went out to Bozeman, Montana, trout fishing. Now yeah. that, that kind of, that kind of tickled my fancy, man. That, that was, <laughs> that, that was epic, man. That was Montana's a beautiful country, man. It's yeah, it's it's pretty stupid, man. I, I have two aunts that live up in Montana, and it, it's amazing up there. Uh, and you can do so much up there. That's a whole. Well, we have that podcast coming eventually, but oh, I was gonna say it's a whole other yeah. episode. But yeah, it will no. be. We um, we hunted the Yellowstone, the Madison, the Gallatin, and the Jeff all in one trip. Really. It's, I mean, you're looking at some of the biggest blue ribbon trout rivers in the world and yeah. not, not that there's not better and everything, but those are epic. And, yeah. uh, it, it was, it was pure stupidity, man. It oh, was, I it was insane. Yeah. That's awesome. So, uh, you're, you do have a dog, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, uh, are you a lab guy? Or oh yeah. Yep. Yep. I've got a lab. He's, uh, I, I would say that he's fairly serious. If any guys out there that are listening and uh, are familiar with some of the older lines, he's, he's out of lean Mac, uh, which they're not, he, it's his great grandfather. Lean Mac yeah. is great grandfather. My last dog uh, was his grandfather. Lean Mac was his grandfather. And he was actually uh lean Mac Har- uh, super tanker. So he was a lean Mac super tanker, Harley to go and Candlewood Kate dog, which, and then if you're versed in kind of that last generation of labs, yeah, that's about as good as you can possibly get in the world. Mm-hmm. So how is your pup now? He's a dick. Oh, oh, how is he or how old is he? <laughs> well, both, yeah. I thought you said, how's your dog now? 
<laughs> well, no, yeah. Uh, after the the couple computer incidents we've had today, I kind of assumed he's pretty. Uh, his behavior is typical of all other labs. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's an American, so he's straight yeah. out. You know, either he's sleeping or he's full ball energy, man. Oh yeah. You know, he's uh he's three and a half, and um he's he's a machine, man. He is. Oh yeah. I got him out of a uh, kennel. Actually, a private kennel. I mean, I've gotten my labs basically all revolving around uh, Rebel Ridge out of Maryland. Okay. And they've had some pretty stellar dogs in the past nationally and internationally. And um, I've been very, very blessed. Uh, you know, I think my last dog, he was one of the only ones of the entire litter that didn't go trials. Really? And, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't trial them. I mean, you know, these, these dogs retrieve, you know, more birds than most people lie about. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, um, I don't know, you know, I, I force fetch them. I do the, I do the whole deal. Um, but, but I don't, I don't bully them through the competition, um, restrictions. Yeah. You know, I still have my dog on a lead in the blind. I hunt with five other guys and I don't care what's going on. You know, I, I had my dog go out. I, I released him and sent him out on a retrieve and another dog while he was going for that crip, which is the first dog I put my dog, uh, first bird I put my dog on. He went and he pulled that trigger right in front of my dog on that crip as he was going to tackle him. And I walked really? over and I, and, and I stood over a guy that was probably 15 years my senior. And I walked over and I stood over him like he was a four-year-old kid that opened his Christmas present early, <laughs> you know? And I, and I said, dude, scary. I said, I said, you are out of my field. I said, unload your gun right now. You are not welcome back. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I no. don't give a, I don't give a flying fucking rolling donut who you are. You, you do, you pull that shit in my, in my spread and you're done. I, t I tell, you know, that type of stuff is first and foremost in, in my spread. And, um, I don't care how long you've been hunting. I don't care how old you are. I'm going to tell you what's right and what's wrong in my field. Yep. You know, when, when the dog is out there, you do not pull the trigger unless I give you the okay. You do not shoot that crip just because it's moving. You do not sit up and call and and take the shot on your own bird unless I call the shot. Unless yeah. it's banded or unless it's collared. But you better not miss it. <laughs> <laughs> if it's collared, you got all the right in the world to sit up and shoot that damn thing, no matter how many birds are circling, but you better hit it. <laughs> no, I uh I, I understand. And and I'm kind of the same philosophy when we uh when we go on hunts and stuff, I mean, you always have the captain of the hunt. Uh, yep. And when I'm the captain of the hunt, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm the smartest guy that's out there, but Hey man, I mean, I'm, if I'm pulling the, the legwork or we're going to my spot or we're hunting in my blind and I just sit there and, and enjoy. That's yep. it. That's all you gotta exactly. do. Yeah. Just this listen and this laugh. guy, I let a bird, I let a bird come in and, go to land so because we had another probably dozen and a half cupped and dropping in mm -hmm. two birds came in and one of them dropped down right in front of him he sat up and found it necessary to shoot it because he was going to land that went over like a fart in church in <laughs> yeah i've uh we've had our fair share of engagements in the blind and yeah, i don't know i don't try to be a dick but like i, I take hunting serious and you That's know it, man. I, it's safe i hate I hate hunting with people who don't take it serious. Um, and not just from a safety standpoint, but man, I mean, we invest so much time uh, and money uh, and sleep and time away from our family and, you know, all the work that goes into it. I don't just go out there to, you know, act like a fucking fool. Um, and, and some people don't respect that. So, I mean, yep. And I, and I'm, you know, I mean, fuck me and Vang both spent, um, he spent four years in Marine Corps. I'm still in. Uh, so I've never been one to keep my mouth shut, uh, <laughs> by any means. I'll, I mean, God I'll let you know you. what I'm thinking. So, uh, 
Yeah, some people don't like my confrontation, but I don't like most people, so it works out. Right. Um, so what kind of shotgun do you shoot, Matt? What's your go-to oh, gun? I'm, I'm shooting a Franke right now. Yeah? Yep. I, uh, I actually what? talked to Benelli and uh, discussed kind of some things with them, and I told them, you know, the guy asked me, he goes, why don't you want to shoot a Benelli? I said, because most people can't afford that. <laughs> and he, and I said, I said, Franke's made now is made in the same Benelli in Italy is, 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 uh, Benelli, correct? And he goes, yes. Yeah. I said, it has the same bolt action as Benelli with the exception of the gas up front and not sealed in the back. So you got to kind of keep it a little bit cleaner, but for all intents and purposes, the same, um, kinetic energy action, correct? Yeah. He goes, yes. I said, well then, you know, basically for a hell of a lot less, you're getting a very, very similar gun. That's very dependable. And I said, I like promoting that to, you know, the people that watch and listen and all that, you know, could I shoot a Benelli? Yeah. But, you know, I, I think kind of go back to the, you know, the, um, the bismuth thing, you know, there, there's a lot more guys that can afford, you know, your, your Winchester, your federal stuff than they can bismuth. There's a yeah. lot more guys that can afford a thousand dollar or $900 Franke than they can a $2,000 Benelli. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, and for me taking it down, you know, and quite honestly, last season, you know, I think I, I think I cleaned it once because it was in the blind and it was raining and the dog was all over it with freaking mud and everything. And the rain was in it. And I just, I didn't want it to rust up. So that was the only reason I cleaned it. Yeah. You know, I've heard a lot of good things about them. And um, these are some of the questions that we ask every week um, that the followers um, before we started this, that they kind of wanted to know one of the most requested was what kind of shotgun everyone shoots. Um, and yep. I think it gets, that's, I think it's another, uh, it, at the end of the day, uh, to an extent you start paying for the name that's on the gun and you stop paying for the gun itself. Um, and I'll be the first to admit, uh, the gun I shoot isn't, it's a it's made by ATA. It's a Turkish gun. Uh, yep. that I bought for dirt cheap. I mean, I paid 300 bucks for it. Brand I new. shot a Charles Daly for many years. And it's, I mean, it's, I ran it all last year and I am very prone to using shotguns as paddles and dropping them in the marsh. And <laughs> I put it up wet more times than I don't. Uh, and I never had any issues out of it. And that's why I've just stuck with it. You put a well, choke in it and find a good shell and you're fine. So I can tell you one thing, learn your gun. Yep. You know, you guys are military. God bless you. And thank you guys. Number one, uh, during this podcast, thank you guys for your service. Well, thank um, you, man. Thank you. But, um, and welcome home, by the way. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, you know, it, there's, you guys got to know your gun because guess what? I don't, I don't give a shit how much they pay for that AR, that AK, that M16, whatever it is that you're shooting. And there's, there will be failures. Mm -hmm. There's a reason they teach you to break down your guns and put them back together. Yep. Learn your guns. Don't expect because you spent $2,000. I've seen Benelli's fail. I can make a Benelli fail. It's an inertia gun. Mm -hmm. You can shoot light loads and guess what? If it's not on your shoulder and you let that thing swing backwards, it's not going to cycle that shell. Yep. It needs to recoil. It needs to punch your shoulder in order for that thing to work. So I've seen thousand plus dollar Berettas fail. I've seen Super X's fail. I've seen everything fail. Know your gun so you can safely take it apart in the field, put it back together. Keep a little thing of oil on a rag in a Ziploc bag. Yeah. Wipe the <laughs> sand out of it because your dog's jumping in there or whatever. You know, there's always something that can go wrong. Know it, know how to get rid of it safely. I can tell you the other thing, because that Benelli is not going to shoot any better 
than a Mossberg 500 or a Remington 870. Because I've been at national competitions and outshot people without, you know, tens of thousands of dollar value guns with a Mossberg 9200. Yep. It does not make the shooter. Hmm. Now, Uh, I can tell you some of the things they've done by adding shims and actually fitting them correctly to you. Now, that makes a difference, the way that gun comes up. But, you know, all in all, it, it... Half the people out there, if they were actually a gun put in their hands that actually fit them properly, they'd probably think it's all fucked up and weird because they're so <laughs> yeah. used to they're so used to fitting themselves to the old 870 or the 500 or the 835 or whatever it is that they've been shooting for years. Yeah, you know they they've become accustomed to that, and that becomes their norm. Oh yeah, definitely. Um... And that goes back, like we talked about earlier, with patterns and everything. It's uh, the little things people tend to overlook, uh, and they kind of get in that mindset of, oh, well, I bought this fucking brand new SBE 3 so, I mean, I don't have to do anything. It should just point, <laughs> shoot, and kill. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, teach the wrong. If you got the money to just do that, then that's fine. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not, not me, brother. <laughs> but so what kind of shells do you shoot what's what do you find yourself I sh- reaching i shoot for? blindside yeah yep carlson's choke and a blindside i've uh what what shot size do you use twos twos for canada's for canada's yeah what's, no, what's I, your uh, oh go ahead that. go ahead man Oh, I was gonna ask, what's your what's your like go-to duck recipe what, what do you how do you cook them how do you cook them uh, depends, depends on what, uh, depends on what you're doing, man. I'm, I'm a grill guy. I love okay. grilling. So, you know, there, there's a ton of different ways, you know, I mean, to me, I don't marinate anything, you know, Ooh, it, okay. to, to me, if you marinate your meat, then you're, you're just killing it, man. You're, you're, you're compensating <laughs> for not cooking it right. okay um i i was actually blessed many years ago i I worked at a very young age in a very very high-end restaurant and Uh um way beyond my means of you know ever being able to dine there um and i was exposed to some incredible food Um, my girlfriend actually right now is a a trained chef from europe so um You know, with venison and all yeah. wild game and all that kind of stuff, there there's no fat in it. You know, yeah. there's fat mm-hmm. on a duck, but there's no fat in the meat. Yeah. So, you know, especially with a goose where you're skinning it, you're taking that meat, that fat off. I mean, you know, I've plucked geese before, but I ain't, I'm sorry, I ain't doing that. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but uh, the so you've got to cook them medium rare. You yeah. have to. Yeah. And I just use a dry rub, serum strong, do it to a medium rare and leave those juices in there. Hot, high heat is going to sear- keep those juices in. And if you do that, you're going to have a juicy piece of meat. Now, yeah. there is one thing that no matter what game it is, duck, goose, pheasant, venison, uh, elk, caribou. I don't care what it is you're hunting. You'll use it on regular steak. You'll use it on pork chops. You'll use it on chicken. (laughs) I'm telling you, you're laughing. I shit you not. Everybody get your pens ready. (laughs) You are going to need this. I'm telling you right now. Well, a of mine, I took out loin and I took out a piece of freaking shank from a deer. And I hit the shank with this thing and grilled it the same as I did the loin and they couldn't tell the difference. Okay. What, it is called, it's called a jacquard. J-A-C-C-A-R-D. 
Now go and find a pen that actually works because you're probably <laughs> using one that doesn't. No, I used my phone. Yeah, Jacquard. <laughs> I'm Googling, Googling it. <laughs> J-A-C-C-A-R-D. And there's a one, two, and a three uh, layers of razor blades. Get the three. Oh, shit. Yeah. And it literally, uh, it's, I believe it's what the Ruth's Chris uses for their steaks. But what it does is it doesn't, it doesn't pound the meat to actually get it tenderized. It actually takes razor blades. And I think the three leveled one has 36 razor blades that cuts through the meat. And if you go up and back, flip it and go up and back with it, you can damn near cut just about any piece of meat with a fork. Huh. You will use it on everything. <laughs> they got it on Amazon, man. It can be here tomorrow. So <laughs> Yeah. I'm telling you. Yep. Well, Friday. It Free is... delivery Friday. Uh, I'm going to take your word for it right now. <laughs> I'm just going to order one. It is. Make, absolute... make a video for it, Dad. <laughs> right? I want to see it. It is absolutely the bomb. You will not be disappointed. You don't have to tell me twice. I'm a and you, and you're just putting yeah. this on the grill, huh? Yep. Okay. That's yep. awesome. And I and I like my goose. I I dry rub the gro- the goose. Matt? Yep, I got you. Oh, oh, okay. Yep. You just like went quiet there. Yep, I dry rub the goose oh, okay. and do it on a high heat grill, and uh, and that's it. I use actually I use a radiant grill. So. All right. Okay. I'll have to give that a try. Yeah, unfortunately, I uh, I don't get to eat a lot of geese during the season. So, but we had one. <laughs> I think it was California. He was telling us about his geese. He plucks them and roasts them, all of them. But they don't kill that many of them, I don't think. But he was telling me that's the only way they'll eat them is they'll pluck them. Yep. Um, but, you know, I mean, I assume with how many geese you kill, I, I would never fucking pluck that many geese in my life. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah. Everybody if, says, if I, do you pluck them? I say, yeah, I plucked one once. Yeah, you know, our uh, our limit yeah. down here in uh, Louisiana, we, we can kill one Canada. Um, we don't even, like, fuck. I've seen three Canadas the whole time I've been here. I've shot one, so I have limited out on Canadas here. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it was, like, this dude's right. fucking neighbor's duck. So. All right, Thad, I, I, ju- I just sent you a picture, Thad. Check your phone. That's that's uh, that's goose breast, what I just sent you. In a, in a oh, wow. Hour. Yeah, it, it, it's huge. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to put this on a... Uh... I'll put this on the video. I tried to show the camera, but uh, they'll they'll have to see this one. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice picture too. Oh, uh, with a twelve-year Weller, that's like that's yeah. like a, <laughs> that's like a unicorn whiskey right there, baby. So living the life in Connecticut. So twelve-year-old Weller with with fresh. That was right off the field too, man. Yeah, that is nice. So well, hopefully I can kill another Canada this year, but. <laughs> yeah. I doubt it. When we go up to Indiana this uh this winter, I'll definitely be able to. But uh I got one more question for you, Matt. Uh, you got it. That I that I have to ask everybody. Uh, I didn't do it. Every morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> every morning, uh when you're heading out to the duck blind, you're packing up your blind bag or whatever. What is your go-to snack to get you through the morning hunts? My go-to snack. Well, number number one, I grab I grab coffee, and I I'm not a smoker, but I used to be, and for okay. some for some reason, and I and even it like twenty years ago, I was like a pack a day smoker. Yeah. And I even when I was smoking that much, I never ever ever smoked in the morning. To this day, when I goose hunt, after I'm done setting up the spread, I'll still have a cigarette. I don't know why. I have <laughs> no idea. But I got to have my coffee on the way to, on the way out up to the to the field. I don't I don't usually eat breakfast, but I am like 
about halfway up. If I'm kind of hungry going up, I am kind of a Dunkin' Donuts sausage, egg, and cheese kind of guy. Okay. But um, when it's really freaking cold, there's there's this stuff, you know, some people bring coffee, some people bring hot chocolate. When it's really cold, I get a thermos, and there's this stuff, it comes in a jar, and it's called Better Than Bullion. Now, you know what a bullion cube is, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you got ch- chicken, and you got beef, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, right? Well, better than bullion is actually it comes in a jar and it's a paste and it's an actual reduction of like chicken and vegetables and all that stuff. It is like insane. Hmm. And what I will do is take like hot, hot, hot water, like out of the curry, you know, first thing yeah. in the morning, I'll just throw hot water into it and I'll take a spoonful of the chicken and put it in there. And I'll tell you, man, when it is really cold and you take a sip of that, like, comforting chicken soup kind of broth, oh, it's game over. Forget the coffee. Forget the hot chocolate. I mean, it just goes right through you and you feel your core warm up, man. It's awesome. I'm going to have to look that up uh, because me and Maddie, my fiance, we – we'll use the Keurig and and fill up a cup and throw in – we'll get – a bouillon cube oh, cut in half and we'll just throw one in a close, cup. <laughs> not even a close second to better than bouillon. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to look that up. I'm telling so you the, right now. So does that run through you too pretty quick? Being oh, warm? No. And, <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, no, I take care of that dude as soon as my feet hit the ground. <laughs> I'm the All right. And then we got a timed. We got a thing on the highway that's right about the time for number two. No pun intended. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, we're, we're all bailing out. It's funny. You know, we've got, I've got four other guys that are in on the lease with me, man. And it's like, it's funny. You'll pull into the lease. Cause it's, you know, we're, we're all on that timeline of meeting together at the exit, yeah. you know? So we all get in there and it's like, it's a rotating door going through that shit. Because, you know, you're about a cup of coffee in, you know, and things yeah. get going. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, we gotta, we gotta take care of this. Either that or everybody's running to the freaking edge of the field, man. Yeah, well, and that's the worst, too. You wake up and you're fine, and then you load up and get your coffee and you're driving, and you finish your first cup of coffee, and you're like, fuck, man, we got to pull off here real quick. So we we plan. That is a benefit of Connecticut small fields. The hedgerow is close. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Matt, uh, you know, I will say first and foremost, man, uh, thank you. I also want to say I'm sorry. We told you, uh, I, or I told you 30, 45 minutes of your time. Uh, I just looked at the timer. And yeah, it's that, an that, hour yeah, and 40 minutes. 41 minutes. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, <laughs> uh, sorry for keeping you an extra hour. Uh, you know what? I've, yeah. I, I'm blessed with a wonderful woman that uh, – she knows my gig and, and actually it's funny because uh, when we first started dating, I told her, I said, uh, I said, you got to live with me for a year before you, you, uh, actually understand if you actually want to be with me. And, uh, yeah. you know, after getting up and going goose hunting or duck hunting and stuff, she's like, you know, she's like, I don't get what the problem is. I'm like, what? She goes from three o'clock on, I got the bed to myself. <laughs> <laughs> she's like i don't know know what your issue is here you know you're telling me this is horrible but uh no man i i've i've been blessed and uh quite you know and she she actually uh loves fishing yeah yeah she she digs the fishing gig and she loves cooking up the game and all and uh so you know whether it's a 45 minutes or an hour and 45 she's cool with it you know and that's uh we actually talked about her well i talked about that man uh you know, we're built different. It just, if you're anything like me, it's just go, go, go. And, and you got so much shit going on all the time. Uh, and your woman's got to be built different too. Maddie, uh, you ain't I don't know how she puts up with my shit. And literally I'll come home and be like, hey, babe, listen to this. I got this crazy idea. 
let's start this. I'm going to do this. This is going to be a new branch <laughs> off of Flying V or whatever. And she's just like, oh, yeah, okay, babe. <laughs> when are you going to do that? <laughs> my issue is now, you know, when, when Costa sends me a set of glasses or something or I get a new rod and reel, she's like, well, um, uh, where's mine? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be asking the same thing. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> so you get one, but you still have to buy one. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, I slide her in there. She, 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 uh, she, she's part of that, that fishing crew. So she gets yeah. taken care of. That's awesome, man. Well, Matt, it was awesome. Uh, I, I'm not upset man. at all that it took so long. Uh, no, I'm glad, really I'm glad we could make it happen you. for you. Yeah. Thank you again. Um, I don't think I said at the beginning of the episode guys, but, uh, we had another failure, uh, and Matt put on his superhero cape and, uh, saved the day all the way in Connecticut. So uh, for you, man, if you ever need anything at all, uh, just holler at me. Like I said, I don't know what I could possibly do for you, but <laughs> hey, the world works in funny ways. So, you know uh, it, man. Absolutely. Uh, and you guys have already you, done that. You guys have helped us uh, keep keep, uh, keep us being able to live the way we live and enjoy our freedoms. And uh, bless both you guys for doing that. And um, yeah, just uh, check out check out some of our stuff on YouTube, man. Real Outdoors TV. Uh, oh yeah, got, for sure. yeah. We, you know, and just so everybody knows, uh, you know, none of my sponsors are monetary, and none of them are pro staffs. They are all friends. I use them because I love I love the products, and and the people behind them are just as good. And um, you know, we we just do it for one. We're weekend warriors, just like all you guys out there, and we try to make it happen and bring it to you on video. And keep close watch because. Uh, I'm working with GoPro right now and I can't talk about what I'm doing, but um, I, I'm doing something pretty cool that if it works, uh, there's going to be some changing in the way video is done. Uh, it's it's going to be pretty epic, man. That's awesome, man. Uh, I can't wait. Obviously, I love to make video, but uh, I'm excited. So you'll have to keep me in the loop on that one when it finally comes out. But uh, Yeah, without a doubt, man, without a doubt. Guys, thank you again. Matt. Um, Matt, Vang, thank you guys for coming on. Thank Thanks you guys for things. having me, man. I appreciate you yeah. both. All right. Well, everyone, have a good night. You got it, guys. Have a good one. Have a great season, everybody. Hunt Thanks. hard and hunt safe.